bitch. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Bitch, the Chicago. Hey folks, Ewan here and welcome to another installment of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. Before we get stuck into today's episode, I just want to share something about my cherished local picture house, the Tyneside Cinema. The Tyneside is my favourite place in Newcastle and it's typically where I spend most of my time when I'm out and about. It's one of only a few independent cinemas we have left in the UK, and the only one in Newcastle. As an independent charity, it leads the way in providing a film's first space for cinema lovers, and is constantly providing reissues to check out, as well as new efforts in world cinema. Unfortunately, the Tyneside is also experiencing financial difficulty. Attendances are yet to reach their pre-pandemic levels, and with rising energy and rental costs added in too, there is a real danger it may have to close its doors, which I don't need to tell you that that sucks, because it really sucks. Obviously, this is the last thing I want to happen, because the Tyneside is an amazing space, and I would be devastated to see it go. No exaggeration. That's why I'm asking all of you, our listeners, if you can, to go to the Tyneside's donation page and support the Love Tyneside Cinema campaign. There are multiple donation links and a breakdown of what your donations will contribute to in the overall running of the charity. Please, even if you aren't local, it would truly mean the world to myself and other patrons of the venue if you'd consider donating or sharing the campaign. You can go check it out for yourself at the Tyneside's website, which is tynesidecinema.co.uk forward slash about dash us forward slash support dash us forward slash love Tyneside cinema and I'll also post that highly convoluted link in the episode description so you can find it there. That's everything thanks so much for hearing me out and now on to the episode. Hey everyone what is up it is me Ewan and welcome to a new episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. Yes we are back after a brief week off. Um, me and Zan went to York for a little anniversary trip. I... I actually got some new movies as well. It was a great time. Although the movie stuff wasn't the highlight. We went to a place called uh, Corner Grill House and had the most amazing food. It was great. I'll talk more about it in the actual podcast itself. But yeah, we are back today um, to dive into some films that are near and dear to my heart. We're going back in time to the early 2000s to the zenith of my childhood. Um, And Jackie Chan in particular. We're talking about... Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. We're going to do a double whammy this episode. Uh, and with me to discuss Jackie Chan, it would be a huge dishonor if I didn't bring Dan Greener along for the ride. How are you doing, Dan? Hello, I'm good. I'm, I'm excited to, to talk uh, to talk Jackie finally. I know, yeah. I mean, I'm super excited to, to hear your thoughts on these movies and also in Jackie Chan in general because <laughs> um, I know that you are a big fan of the Chan. Yeah, um, I do. I love the guy. I loved him growing up. Growing up, growing up, uh, and then when I was a teenager, I kind of delved more into his actual like Hong Kong work, um, and then that kind of pick, that's picked up a little bit more recently, where I've made a more concerted effort to check out more of his stuff. But um, yeah, I'm I'm going to talk a little bit about how I got into Jackie Chan because I don't know if it's going if it's going to be a similar story for you. Or I not, think it will but, be, you know. Yeah. Um, so, dear dear listeners, in the early two thousands, so I would have been. Crikey. When when Shanghai Noon came out in 2000, I would have been four. So it wouldn't have been on my radar at all. Yeah, um, I was eight years old, so... And Shanghai Nights came out when I was seven, um, 2003. Uh, at which point I was very much aware of Jackie Chan, because when we moved houses in 
2000. One of the big things that my dad, that, that a big deal was made out of was that we'd be getting satellite TV and that I would finally get to have Fox Kids. Um, oh, like huge, that's for the days. Huge, huge, huge deal. Um, so I remember the first year that we moved um, from Liverpool to Warrington. Um, I spent like an entire day on like Fox Kids looking at uh, Spider-Man, looking at... Uh, Power Rangers. They had like Spider Man Unlimited was a thing as well, and I remember like watching going straight onto Fox Kids Plus One just to watch more of it. Until my dad came in, and was like, I "You and you watching that. the same episode?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm a, I'm a dumb baby. I didn't realize I was watching the same episode." But uh, one of the other things they had the next day after the first night of Fox Kids, um, one thing they had the next day was Jackie Chan Adventures, uh, and that was my first exposure to Jackie Chan. Uh, for those who don't know what Jackie Chan Adventures is, it was a cartoon series produced by Jackie Chan um, about Jackie Chan and his uncle and his niece. Yeah. Not voiced um, by Jackie Chan, though. <laughs> not voiced by Jackie Chan, no. But it, the character is Jackie Chan. And uh, the, the the introduction, the intro is fucking great. There's like a, me- a mix of uh, live action and animation getting up to like classic Jackie. It's basically Jackie Chan's classic screen presence distilled into a cartoon. It is wonderful. And now that I'm older and I love Chan's movies, it's even better for me to look back at that show in retrospect and go, oh, what a great thing that was to have. But the whole premise of it is that Jackie Chan and his family... Um, fight a wizard voiced by James Hong um, to... <laughs> not know that. Yeah, James Hong. Um, and they have to fight him and protect these mystical talismans that are based on different animals. It's a different... It's the Chinese zodiac animals. Yeah, it? yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. Um, and they have to protect these, these talismans from the wizard because they have unique powers. Um... And there was a, there was also a Jackie Chan Adventures book. I don't know if you ever if you ever got it. The magazine that came out that oh. came with the collectible talismans. Maybe I did. I don't remember. I used to like a lot of those magazines that came out where they would have like f- the collectible items, and they'd probably be based yeah. on film franchises. <clears throat> I had a few of them. I remember, I had the James Bond one, and then the shop I went to that that's down the road from me just stopped getting it. But they would always it, kind was, of con you with co-op? like. Uh, no, it was it was the one stop on the other the side. one stop the yeah. money ah uh, yeah <laughs> but it was the they, was the they would they just stopped getting it so I, didn't, I never got the James Bond one but they would always kind of con kids with like the first issue being like yeah one pound and then the second yeah. issue you would like need to take out a mortgage to buy exactly yeah so the first issue the Jackie Chan Adventures magazine it came with uh, the tin that would you'd have all your talismans my with. brother had this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. and it also came with um those like trading cards. As well, Jackie Chan Adventures trading cards. That's I didn't um, have it. Yeah, my brother did. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, like you, again talking about the magazine con of the first issue being dead cheap and everything else being super expensive afterwards. I did not end up completing the Jackie Chan Adventures magazine. <laughs> I don't think we did either. So, so my talisman box only has like three of the little <laughs> talismans in them. Um, but I loved that show. And so, flash forward to like two thousand two thousand three, two thousand four. Um, my dad comes back from Asda with like two DVDs, um, one of which is Shanghai Noon, and the other is Shanghai Nights. Um, and I've already gone into depth on this podcast before about like me and my dad's like movie rituals when I was growing up. Like we just used to have um, like dad and lads nights in where we'd put on something and order and take out um, and just watch stuff. 
Uh, and the Shanghai Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights is like two of the fondest memories I have watching that movie with my dad because <laughs> those movies with my dad because they were um they were class. So like my dad was huge into westerns, and I'm fairly certain he also really liked Jackie Chan movies. But I think he wasn't necessarily massively familiar with the Hong Kong stuff. I could be wrong. I never really had big discussions with him about it. Um, but he like he he loved Rumble in the Bronx. I remember him really liking that one. Um, but Shanghai Noon was great for us because as a Westerns guy, for him, it was like, oh, it's like that. And then for me, loving the Jackie Chan Adventures, it was like, oh, I finally get to watch the guy that I have seen in cartoon form. Uh, and in the <laughs> live action, you know, glimpses in the introduction, then the, at the end of every Jackie Chan Adventures episode, I forgot to say this, you, Jackie Chan would show up and ask or answer yeah. fan <laughs> questions or like give you like a moral or whatever. Yeah, there'd be some um, kid that'd be like, Hey Jackie, how do you nutrition do? What, yeah. What's your nutrition how do thing you in the nutrition? morning? I don't. How do you nutrition? <laughs> what's the your one, workout schedule, Jackie? I I literally rewatched one on YouTube the other day with Zan, and uh, the one at the end was like, "What do you do in your free time?" And Jackie Chan is literally sat down at his desk, being like, "I don't have free time." <laughs> <laughs> he's he's on the grind, man. He's he's got that grind set going on. Um, but yeah, watching Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights the first time as a kid, I was like, holy shit, I'm watching a grown-up Jackie Chan movie. This shit is the best. Um, and then, obviously, when you were younger, it was all in the early 2000s, you had a few other American features, so I know people obviously have a lot of love, a lot of love for the Rush Hour movies. They've never really kind of been my thing, even as a kid, and being older, they never really gelled with me. There was the Tuxedo, um, yeah. the Medallion, the um, <laughs> yeah, I watched that not long ago. He was also in Around the World in 80 Days, the really bad one with Steve Coogan, right? I don't hate that movie. You don't hate that one? Don't I don't hate like that one. one. But I'm fairly certain he is in that one as well. He is, um, yeah. Yeah, and so time moved on, um, and I would constantly come back to Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights as being like, these are like my Jackie Chan movies. Um, obviously, now that I have seen all this Hong Kong stuff, like Police Story and, and um, you know... Drunken, Drunken Master and stuff like that. Like, it's always like, oh, the kid, those are the best Jackie Chan movies. Um, but I will always have such a f- affection for these. And to revisit them, I revisited them both for the first time, like, three, four years ago. Uh, they kind of became a go-to, like, sick day thing for me because I find them so comforting. Uh, and I was, I was struck by how well they held up. And then, like, doing further online research and seeing that people kind of agree that they were, like his best movies. Um, and rewatching them again for this episode was a fucking blast. I love these movies so much, even though they are, <laughs> you know, they do have their flaws. Um, but yeah, now that I've, I've chewed everyone's ear off for 10 minutes about my introduction to Jackie Chan and why Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights are kind of so important to me. Dan, did, was was it a similar story for you? Was it, it, was, was it the yeah. Jackie Chan Adventures? Kind of. So my, when I was a kid, I still love that movie. I said this before on this podcast that a big thing of mine was like, saturday night itv at like 9 p.m there'd always be some kind of action movie on and that's that's where my love of action movies started and then i remember at one point i got the vhs of rush hour and watched it a bunch because i really liked it as a kid um i hadn't seen shanghai Noon or shanghai nights i don't think i saw them properly till like a few years back um, and i'd just seen bits of them but then we also used to always watch jackie chan adventures so it would come on like cbbc sometimes and then we didn't have satellite TV as a kid. 
So I would quite regularly go to my grandparents' house on a weekend on like a Saturday and they had Fox Kids, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, all that kind of thing. So I was constantly watching the same shows that you're on about, like Spider-Man <laughs> and The Incredible Hulk and Fantastic Four and oh Spider-Man God. Unlimited. Don't, don't, all bring those up shows. The ni- don't bring up the 90s <laughs> Fantastic Four show because that thing has the most infectiously earwormy Oh, it does, theme. it does. But I, I would watch Have all them. No and then... need to be there here. <laughs> Just call the phone. <laughs> don't. No. But yeah, I would oh, I would no. carry on watching like, and then I'd watch all the Cartoon Network shows like used to love, like Dexter's Lab and Courage Cowardly. Samurai Jack. Stuff like that. I never watched Samurai Jack, weirdly. Oh, man. Yeah. But I, I then loved Jackie Chan Adventures, really enjoyed Rush Hour, and then I'd seen a bunch of his movies, but they were all his American movies. So like I'd seen The Tuxedo and The Medallion and... Uh, I'm blanking on others, but you know, a few Rumble things like in the that. Bronx, maybe? I saw Rumble in the Bronx as a as a as yeah. a young teenager, definitely. I remember it just being on on TV one day, and I sat and watched it. That was my Jackie Chan graduation movie. I think that it was, was like my, yeah, gra- graduating from like the early 2000s American stuff to like you know the stuff that moving in more into his traditional space and that, you know why he became such a legend and stuff. That was kind of similar to me. So I remember when. Um, I may sound really old. This was like ten years ago. I remember when Netflix properly hit the UK because we got it a lot later than America. It was like maybe 2010, 2011 that Netflix hit. The I'm UK. gonna say tw- uh, yeah, 2011. I think because yeah, they had a bunch of like Hong Kong movies on there. Um, so I remember Netflix UK was the first place I watched Hard Boiled, um, which disappeared until like last week from UK availability, and now it's available to rent on like Amazon and stuff. Um, God's sake, man! I just literally bought the DVD. Yeah, no, it was like literally like two days later it came up. This is you can you can thank me for that, by the way, because that is the way of things. That That's if something it, yeah. isn't on streaming for a while, if I buy the physical release, yeah, Amazon HQ are like, anyway, so got it, go, go, exactly. go, go, get it on rental. But I, I I watched a few Jackie Chan movies, so I remember I watched um, some. I watched Legend of Drunken Master, which is also now not really available here for some reason. Um, twin dragons accidental spy so they weren't necessarily his best ones but they were at the time i was like 18 and i was like this is the coolest shit i've ever seen and then so similar to what i did (laughs) in in 2020 it was lockdown we were in you know covid and i was listening through uh, another podcast another action movie podcast and i was kind of every day i was basically watching a movie that that podcast covered and then as I worked from home the next day, I was listening to the podcast on that movie. And they did a Police Story episode. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'm going to watch Police Story. So I bought the, uh, there was a Blu-ray set of the first two Police Story movies. It was the one that Eureka put out before they did the Supercop trilogy. That's the one, one. I got as well. Um, which, yeah, I then got rid of and bought the one that had Supercop. <laughs> um, and I watched Police Story and I was like, it was like, you know, you know when you watch a movie for the first time, but you immediately go, this is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. This was like you with To Live and Die in LA. That was like me and Police Story. I was like, <laughs> this is the fucking best thing ever. Well, I'm fairly certain I got... I'm fairly certain because I in, it was 2021 when I first watched both Police Story movies. I'm fairly certain we were talking uh, at the time. I'm fairly, I, I can't remember. I feel like it was one of those that I went to pick up because you were talking about Jackie Chan movies yeah, so yeah. much. So yeah, this was like a year before that. So I watched yeah. that, obviously watched like the next day, Police Story 2. And then I remember I just kind of binned off listening to that podcast for a couple of weeks and just watched a bunch of Jackie Chan's Hong Kong movies. So I was watching like Wheels on Meals and Project A and 
loads of stuff that he'd done. I went and through the Rush Hour movies again. And I was just like, this is incredible. And that was kind of my gateway into Hong Kong cinema as a whole. And I'm still so much of a newbie in terms of watching those movies compared to a lot of especially like a lot of our friends on twitter and stuff like that <laughs> i um, still got a lot there's of so much yeah but i was like this is this is amazing and it's it's so funny because especially in england i don't know whether america is necessarily similar to this the, the thing with jackie chan is he is i would say inarguably the most famous hong kong star outside of china the most famous he Chinese is one of the most famous stars of all time. Like yeah, his exactly. global reach is insane. I still think there's certain people that maybe pre her winning the Oscar, but there's certain people, a lot of people you could have still gone to in England and said the name Michelle Yeoh or Donnie Yen or Sammo Hung, and they they wouldn't know who you were on about. No, um, absolutely not. I had a thing with Sammo Hung as a kid because I used to watch Martial Law on Channel 5 like every weekend. Oh, hell uh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to track down that show again and see if it holds up. But... Jackie Chan, I think, in the in the UK, you say Jackie Chan, pretty much everyone still knows who you're on about. But the thing with that is they go, oh yeah, Jackie Chan's great, his movies are so good. But they're thinking of Rush Hour, and they're thinking of mm-hmm. Shanghai, and they're thinking of Shanghai Nights, and the Tuxedo, and stuff like that. And it's like, those movies are good. I, I like all the Rush Hours, apart from maybe the third one. I like Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights, otherwise I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now, probably. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's like, you watch all this Hong Kong stuff, and you're like, those movies pale in comparison to the stuff he did back in Hong Kong, and he can still have made those movies in America, and people are like, "Yeah, Jackie Chan's the best." <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's a testament. It's a testament to his charisma and talent that he, despite working with directors who, and we'll get into this as we talk about these movies, despite working with directors when he got to Hollywood who really had no business directing him. Yeah, look um, at you, Brett because Ratner. they didn't. Uh, piece of shit fucking dickhead <laughs> hit him um but yeah like like brett ratner um who just really did not understand his skills as an actor or why why his action you know made in the buster keaton kind of keystone cops slapstick you know kind of uh register um, why it resonated so much and why it was so genius. Yeah. You know, the essence of that is you get to watch a bunch of men put their lives on the line. It's great. <laughs> have you ever, <laughs> to have entertain you, ever, you. Have you ever seen that clip of Jackie on set on, I think it's Rush Hour 2? Yes. Yeah, where he's, he's like, he's, Brett's I, still I, on the phone. I think that's, oh, I think it's the first one, isn't it? It could be, I I'm like not it's sure. The, bit the restaurant sure. he's like, is Brett still on it. Yeah, and he goes to Rats a bunch of I wasn't sure if it was the restaurant in the first one or the massage. Yeah. House oh yeah, I can't remember the second now. one. It could be one of the but two. But yeah, it doesn't the matter. whole <clears throat> the whole thing with the, with Jackie's American movies and people who are listening to this don't need to be reminded of this. I'm, I'm sure um, is the you know you get a lot of they just frame the action in a really dull conventional Western way where it's a lot of close ups and it minimizes through editing and 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 the shot choices um, Chan's skills as a martial artist and as a stunt performer, um, which. I think Shanghai Noon is definitely guilty of. Massively. Um, my my two I rewatched both of these uh sort of back to back. I watched one one night and then Shanghai Nights the, the day after. Um you know, Shanghai Noon is guilty of it. Shanghai Nights less so. Uh, I think Shanghai Nights is and it's weird because going into this rewatch I was like, Oh, I remember Shanghai Noon being better. I and coming too. out of this, I'm like, No, Shanghai Nights is 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 definitely the better Jackie Chan movie. And I think that's down to the fact that when I last rewatched these, even though I had seen quite well a, a, a few Jackie Chan movies that he did when he was in Hong Kong, um, I hadn't seen as many as I have now. 
and watching Shanghai Nights now, having seen you know the police stories and and Junkin Masters and what have you, um, and the Operation Condors and Armor of Gods and stuff, uh, is that it definitely distills more of Chan's DNA. It does. Than, well, it it saves more of it than Shanghai Noon does. And this isn't me saying that Shanghai Noon is a bad movie. I find it perfectly entertaining. But I think overall. This week, I was pleasantly surprised that I was like, no, Shanghai Nights is is the better one. And it's funny that this happened as well, Dan, because when I was little, young Ewan had the same take. He, young Ewan <laughs> was like, Shanghai Nights is the better one. Um, and again, I, I'm not saying that these are perfect movies. They are kind of hilariously deranged in some ways, especially the sequel where they fucking murder Jack the Ripper. And it is the most hilarious yeah, thing ever. Just be every famous um, person ever. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. The script's so bizarre. Um, but again, great time, and I, I do think they are far and away the uh, the pinnacle of what Jackie did when he was in Hollywood. They are, and there's they're, they're definitely. I think a lot of people disagree with this. I think they're better than the Rush Hour franchise. Oh, sure. I agree. I, I, Ten years ago, I don't think I'd have thought that. But mm. I thought the same same thing. So I, when I was kind of, I had my first kind of big Jackie Chan marathon after Police Story, and then. I kind of went on a second one kind of in early 2021 and that included me watching Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. And I remember watching Shanghai Noon and going, oh, yeah, it's good, but it works better as a comedy. I was like, oh, this is funnier than I remember it being. Wilson and Jackie are a great, Owen oh, Wilson and Jackie are a great pairing. But the action's kind of, for, for Jackie Chan movie standards, is is weak. There's only really a couple of standout bits in it. Mainly the finale is like a decent action sequence. It's not amazing, but it's it's all right. And then I remember watching Shanghai Nights and being like, oh, this isn't as good as Shanghai Noon, but the action is better, mm-hmm. much better. And then I watched Shanghai Noon last night and I kind of had the same feeling towards it as I did two years ago. But then I watched Shanghai Nights this afternoon and I was like, this is so much better than I remember it being and so much better than Shanghai Noon. Everything it's, about Shanghai it is Nights better. Is, Shanghai Nights is funnier it utilizes not only Jackie Chan's strengths better, but Owen Wilson's. Um, yeah, and and it you know it, I, th- I think it's a more colorful production. I think it's better. I think that we'll get into it. So for it's those got Donnie Yen know, in it, <laughs> and it's got it's got Donnie Yen in, which I'm, again a great happy accident by the way that you're in the midst of your Donnie Yen kick. And we, yeah, yeah, that we works really this. well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know. Uh, Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights, uh, 2000, 2003, respectively. Um, the first film is an East meets West, Western martial arts comedy. Um, Owen Wilson plays Roy O'Bannon, who is a <laughs> hopeless outlaw. Um, and uh, Jackie Chan plays um, Chon Wang, uh, a member of the Imperial Guard in China. Um, and Lucy Liu is in it as well. She plays Princess Pepe. At the start of the film, she is kidnapped um, and taken to the US, and Chan and his three other Imperial Guard members, and Chan as well in, in, in the movie, he is very much the... the it, he's meant to be the incompetent royal guard. He's seen as a screw-up or whatever. He's a bit of a hopeless romantic yeah, as well. Yeah, kind of like he's a bit of an um, idiot. Yeah, and he um, he ends up accompanying his father as well, played by James Hong, um, who is like the translator. Uh, and he ends up accompanying them to the United States to rescue Princess Pepe. It's it's his uncle, I believe, 
Is it? This is Uncle Yes, yeah, yeah. This is Sorry, Uncle and this is, is Dad and this. I'm, no, I'm not like yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out if I'm right. No, 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 yeah, no, that's that's correct. Uh, and they go to the States and on the train carriage towards Carson City, which is where um, Princess Pepe has been whisked away to, uh, Roy and his band of merry outlaws, one of whom is Walton Goggins. I forgot in, t- he was in, in typical this. in typical Walton Goggins fashion is fucking incredible. Like I I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast before. I have so much respect for Walton Goggins because I've yeah. never seen a Walton Goggins performance that hasn't been like a hundred percent peak commitment, entertaining. He's one of the greatest character actors ever, and he he only has a minor role in Shanghai Noon as like a sicko bandit from Texas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he's great in it. Yeah, he's up there. Like he's up there with people for me. Current actors like uh, John Bernthal and Rest in Peace, as of recently, Lance Reddick. Where mm-hmm. as soon as I saw they were in a movie or a TV show, I was like, I want to watch this more than I did before. And he's 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 what I like about Walton Goggins is he'll do like really prestige stuff. Like everyone talks about how great he wasn't Justified, and he's been in Tarantino movies and stuff. And then he's quite happy to just go and like ham it up in a Marvel movie or something like this, and he's still great. <laughs> yeah, no, he's 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 wonderful. I'm fairly certain he was going to be in that LA Confidential TV. I've got LA Confidential. In I think he recently. might have been. Yeah, because um, yeah. we're going to do an episode on that soon. Because I've ne- I've nearly finished reading the book and I want to revisit the movie. Um, was that, that was he... Kiefer Sutherland was in that same thing? I think wasn't he? Uh, I'm know. just looking now. I'm I'm sorry, folks. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Walton Goggins. I think he played Ed, Ed Exley in the TV show. Um, which, yeah, no, it's it's um, he he's such a great actor. And, and in Shanghai Noon, like he he has a tiny role. Uh, and again, it's interesting how this starts out as sort of like a rescue mission turned revenge movie, and then the revenge element kind of gets tossed to the side a little bit. But in the course of this robbery, um, Goggins's character who's a maverick, ends up shooting um, Chan's uncle. And um, Chan then pursues Bat O'Bannon and uh, hijinks ensue as he then tries to make it to, to Carson City. Um, and that is the beginning of Shanghai Noon. It's actually very <laughs> similar to, and then I looked on the Wikipedia page and it said it took inspiration from, of all movies, a movie we talked about recently on this podcast, which was Red Sun. Yeah, I still yeah, need to watch the, that. the Charles Bronson... <laughs> Mifune movie. It's a very similar opening where he's like betrayed by his gang and they steal the stuff and then they have a reason to team up and both go after the same people. It's mm. a very, very similar opening, but just a way more comedic version. One thing I want to say about the opening to Shanghai Noon as well, uh, and again, like I, I watched these on the DVDs that my dad bought like twenty odd years ago, so I've not got, I've not upgraded to the HD life yet. So I'm, I could be completely wrong with my assessment of this. Um, but the production value in the opening is fucking gorgeous. Like, I remember watching... When I was watching Shanghai Noon as a kid, I remember that, that sequence in the Imperial City where you're first introduced to Princess Pepe and then also the uh, the the Imperial Guard. Uh, I remember being blown away. Like, it's it's so, like, well-realized. Um and I feel like the, its rendition of Imperial China is like for for as, the brief amount of time that we spend there, it's super compelling. Um, the Western stuff, less so. And I think maybe that's because the film itself is overly concerned with homage, uh, and in a very not in a not seamless way. Um, there is it's very on the nose. Yeah, 
And it's also, like, again, another thing to point out about why these movies are great. There's a lot of great early 2000s charm in it. Um, I don't know what other movie you would get Xander Berkeley showing up uh, in the midst of his 24... Well, he was, it, was, it was pre-24. Um, um, him like showing him, yeah. up and, uh, and, and playing a guy who is meant to be <laughs> a Lee Van Cleef analogue. Um, <laughs> You've got Van but... Cleef, Chon Wang, and yeah. then Roy O'Bannon, who... I mean... Is, is he Wyatt supposed Earp, to be Wyatt Earp, or is his name no, no? Just I think Wyatt I think it's just his name is Wyatt Earp. I think they're just taking. Okay, I never I mean, got it. That. Gets, when it gets to Shanghai Nights, you are kind of doubting yourself because it's like, well, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, Wyatt Earp was involved in the early days of like you know Western filming, but then obviously they have Charlie Chaplin and, and yeah, Arthur Conan Doyle and Jack the Ripper and yeah, Queen Victoria, yeah, that, just everyone showing up everyone's in that one but yeah Shanghai Noon like um there's a bit after after the opening sequence where they're first introduced to each other and Owen Wilson and Shan immediately have great chemistry um they get separated after <laughs> after um Roy is buried in the sand and Cha- uh Chan just gives him like um <laughs> some chopsticks to dig himself out of and Wilson is really funny there the stuff I want to talk about the, the bit that really kicks off noon for me is when he encounters the native americans um it's a really funny sequence and also that's like you know the first good action we get in the film as well yeah and it's the first time that i feel like the film properly utilizes its uh you know the, the 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 east meets west premise in a cool visual way because seeing jackie chan fight some warriors is compelling imagery yeah, I think it's the other kind of fun sequence in the movie outside of the beginning. But I think it's still like a, I think my thing with a lot of the fights or the action in this the first movie, it doesn't go on for it never goes on for long enough. It, it's it's like they're always kind of cutting cutting it too short, and it's like yeah, we we what Jackie Chan fans want to see a longer great fight sequence where he's doing all these cool stunts, and it's like especially because when you watch Jackie. He makes he makes shit look effortless, like the way he climbs up stuff. Like he just does it. Like I've got more tired out climbing the stairs than he does like climbing up. Like there's there's a there's a great tweet which is uh, I remember seeing a guy tweet something like, uh, "Ha ha! I've just cornered Jackie Chan by the scaffolding. I'm gonna kick his ass." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there's some ladders nearby as well, but probably nothing to worry about. <laughs> oh, I just, I just oh. cornered him between these two walls. He's fucked. <laughs> and he just gets like, it, yeah. I think that you people like to see characters and actors do the thing that they're good at. Yeah, and that kind I of mean, stuff, that athletics and and martial arts. He's obviously incredible at, and he's like the goat for a reason. So yeah, it kind of frustrates me watching this one that they they always it never goes on quite as long as you would like it to. Even when it's like cool, yeah, it it cuts short. Like there's the really good bit later in the film where Roy's having the standoff with Van Cleef, um, and Jackie's got the horseshoe rope weapon, and he does like some really cool tricks with it. But it's like I feel like if that was you know. 10 years earlier in like a, a different Jackie Chan movie would be seeing him flinging that horseshoe around for for much longer um yeah have you ever seen um have you ever seen miracles no that's a good one it, it's miracles is basically like a Jackie Chan gangster movie 
Um, it's kind of set in like 30s Hong Kong and he ends up becoming the kind oh, of hell yeah. like accidental head of a crime family kind of thing and he's trying to make them go legit uh, and the the final showdown in that movie is is basically Jackie Chan in like a like a rope factory and it's it's oh. it's fantastic so I'd say at the very least check out that final sequence okay. from, from well, Miracles my watch list continues yeah, it's, to grow it's, a, it's one of his <laughs> it's one of my favourite action sequences of his and that's the kind of shit I wish we'd seen more of in, in yeah. the end of this one I kind of wanted to see him maybe do a little bit I mean I, I don't know if, if, if he's I mean he has used firearms and weapons in, in films before but I was kind of wanted to see him maybe do some rooting and tooting shooting in Shadow yeah. as well in retrospect I mean, like he doesn't, he doesn't really I, don't, I always find, think of him as a kind of hero actor that doesn't kill as much in his movies no no but at least to but wound, he does in these comically. movies he, well, yeah, he, kills, yeah. he's, he kills the villains yeah. in both of these yeah yeah I mean, he doesn't in the second one. He does. He doesn't. Does he? Oh, he does kill. Sorry, I've got there are two villains in the. Oh, he doesn't one. kill Donnie Yen. <laughs> yeah, doesn't kill yeah. Donnie Yen. That's the most important one. Um, but yeah, I'm curious as well. Like, what are your what are your thoughts on Owen Wilson in the first movie? Because I think he it's frustrating because part of what I love about Shanghai Noon is that Owen Wilson's in it and it's Owen Wilson doing Owen Wilson stuff. But he is so completely out of place as a cowboy. It is only in Shanghai Nights that I feel like Owen Wilson has like found his role here as the um, late nineteenth century city con artist. <laughs> I find that much more suiting to his strengths as an actor than what he has in in Noon. I'm gonna be honest. I don't fully agree with you. I think he's great yeah. in both. I'm I'm a yeah. I'm an Owen Wilson guy. I'm an Owen Wilson defender. Oh, I, I'm, he's, I, I, he's great. I'm knocking the Wilson man. No, I, no, I know, I know. He sticks out compared to everyone else. But in I, I think like, everyone works. else is so believable. I th- this is where I think he works. Is I think he works as a guy who is trying to be a cowboy and is not mm-hmm. very good at it. Oh yeah, no, totally. That I think that's where for. I take it for that. It's like. I think if they were trying to make him more of a actual badass cowboy, charming con artist guy, I don't think it would work quite as much. But they give him just enough of an edge as a bit of a a bit of a fuck up that I, I it's it, I mean for me at least it sells it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I can of, see where you're coming from. But yeah, like after after reuniting at the saloon, um, there there's a big bar fight, which you know it's a fun sequence. It's not yeah. particularly amazing, but it, it's it's fun enough. And then they're locked away in prison and um, they get alerted to the fact that there is a ransom and, and Roy's like, oh, wow, a ransom? Oh, I mean, you know, and then they, they, they break out. And I forgot to say as well that Jackie Chan, at the beginning of the movie, um, gets high <laughs> and, and has sex <laughs> with uh, um, one of the chiefs. Yeah, the I chief's guess married. Daughter, gets married. Gets uh, married. And she basically saves him at multiple points in the movie. It's great. Um, and... Uh, after breaking out again, we get that great <laughs> montage of Owen Wilson teaching Jackie how to be a cowboy, and you know, um, yeah. <laughs> I do love all the stuff with Jackie and the uh, with Sean and the horse, where he just clearly doesn't know how oh, to ride horse. a horse, and he I love the horse, the horse so much. The, the bit where the horse so just sits down outside the outside yeah. the saloon is great. This does, like, Shanghai Noon does have one of the most adorable horses ever, and I love how in both <laughs> the bloopers for this and Shanghai Nights, like, the horse just loves licking Jackie's face. There's a, there's a bit in the one for Shanghai Nights where the horse just bites him. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, the, I, I kind of enjoy that where it's like they, they, they do like play both characters to their strengths where they kind of at least have Owen Wilson teach teach Jackie about the stuff that he wouldn't know about as a person from China and the stuff about mm. the old west and the way it works but still teaching him badly like cuz like yeah, he's still the not great at shooting the cans he, he can't he can't shoot shit he can't draw his gun quickly it's all style and imagery um for Roy you know and um again that's what i like about Shanghai Nights more is that it leans more into that deceptive kind of you know insecure con artist type yeah. aspect of it um, but they have a great dynamic in this. Like they, they, have, they really do have great chemistry, and I love the bit where um, they make it to. Is it after? I'm trying to remember the bit where they they make it to the the, the boudoir, <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. they're in the bath. They're in the different bathtubs, um, and Sean is is really pissed off with Roy. I forget why, and they start having a drinking game. Yeah, in the bath. Yeah, yeah, it's a great scene, uh, and I love the, the. Honestly, like the, obviously, there are loads of great Jackie Chan bloopers over the years. The bloopers for Shanghai Noon might be up there with the very best, solely because there is a bit where Owen Wilson farts, <laughs> <laughs> and they catch it, and he's just like, "Wow, this thing must be blowing bubbles or something." <laughs> it's it's crazy. I still stand by that every movie ever made should end with <laughs> just these kind of like blooper reels i i love them oh yeah they're every brilliant. single time yeah no totally they, agree. they have I, I their dynamic is is great as well as because you see it in their dynamic as actors in those blooper reels as well and i think they they have kind of chem, a friendly chemistry in real life and it translates well to the to the movies and it, it's kind of the main thing i was thinking is that i do miss like we don't get as many like body comedies like this on body action comedies more specifically anymore. last one i can think of is the nice guys the, the i thought of one since then and that was stuba which is not a movie anyone really talks about i actually think it's funny uh, i don't know if you've seen it but yeah it's, it's the nice guys and, and that are like kind of the only major recent memorable examples i can think of um and it's a shame because they they were kind of all over the place in the nineties and two thousands, and they were they were great. Yeah, totally. Um, we should also talk a little bit about Lucy Liu in this movie because holy shit, Lucy Liu is in this, um, <laughs> yeah. and she's super fucking cool. And like, she doesn't get a great deal of stuff to do, like comparatively speaking to like you know how other leads work here. Um, but she gets to kick some ass. And, she does. Um, and I like the the agency that the character has here. Like it's a whole thing. Like other people trying to control her, and all throughout she's basically choosing her own destiny, and then gets to make her own decision at the end. Yeah, she gets to be more than what a lot of movies would make the character, which is just kind of royalty slash love interest. She she like you say the the movie does give her some agency and kind of has 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 Chon always as a character that considers himself lesser than her which is kind of a nice kind of flip on the head from a lot of action movies they're all bound aren't they to this to the tradition and duty yeah um and and roy in his own way along with pepe kind of convinces chan that 
you know, he, he loses his hair as well, which is the whole big thing. Like, he, he gets his, you know, his ceremonial tail cut off, which basically banishes him from being able to, like, you know, go back to, to China. Um, and this, I, I just find that the, the, both of them kind of come to accept a new home. Which is a shame that she gets written out so quickly in the sequel, where it's just like, oh, yeah, you know. I, I couldn't remember if she was in it or not. Um, no. Nah. I remembered she, I knew, I remembered in my head she wasn't the kind of female lead of the movie. Um, but I, 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 as soon as they said, basically, oh yeah, the princess is off doing work, I thought, oh yeah, she's not, she's not in it, that's a shame, like they could have brought her back just for a it's one of the most of awkward writing out moments I've ever seen in the film. <laughs> it's just like, oh, she's got important work in yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, the princess is in another castle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a level of, of yeah. I, I get it. I think I'd rather them do that than not address her at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the um, the finale as well like is a lot of fun. Um, we have that kind of three-way fight between Sean, um, the main antagonist of the movie, who is a former Imperial Guard, um, I forget his name. The, the uh, finale is really where this movie takes off for me. Lo Fong, I believe it is. Um, and he, they have a really great kind of fight sequence. Um, and all the while, Roy is doing his best to basically fulfill his Western hero moment and take on Xander Berkeley's uh, Marshal Nathan Van Cleef. Um, yeah <laughs> this this finale is i think this is really where you get the kind of key look at the abilities of jackie chan because this is where i started seeing bits where there's a bit where he climbs up the scaffolding and i, I was having that thought of just like man he, he makes it look effortless and then there's a really great bit where they're fighting at the top of the clock tower and there's kind of three boards laid out yes. over a giant gap in the oh, clock yeah, tower. That's jackie's a, that's kind of running really across them bit. and they're getting kicked out and then he's grabbing onto it and it just looks like it's him the whole time, and I'm sure he was harnessed up, obviously, because they're, they're not even Jackie Chan. They're going to go, no, we're not letting you do that fall and grab onto the rope by yourself. But it's great. It, it, it's so obviously him, and I think there's there's so much. I have so much respect for stunt people and all the work that they do, and and they should be recognised way more. But sometimes it does add to it a little bit when you go you can see that it's the character that you're watching in the sense that yeah. you go, that's Jackie Chan. So in my head, I, there's a little more believability to me that that is the character Chan Wang doing that yeah. than when it's a, there's a stunt person doing it. So that, and, and I'm trying to make that clear in the sense that I'm not trying to put down stunt people there because I think oh, hell no. they they are the most unsung heroes in all of cinema is is the stunt world. And that's where like so many great action movies now are coming from directors who worked in the stunt industry. And, and uh, they're getting their recognition as directors, and I wish they'd got more recognition as stunt people. But yeah, it, it, it does kind of sometimes add to it when you just go, yeah, that is Jackie Chan doing that. Yeah, and he does, look, it is a really fun sequence. Um, the, the the main things that, that hold Shanghai Noon back for me, even though I do enjoy it overall, I do think it's overall a funny, entertaining film. Um, the main thing that holds it back for me is like, the, the, the Western stuff... I needed it to be a little bit more unique. I feel like um, the film itself would be a lot stronger if it wasn't trying to pay a bunch of really kind of ham-fisted homages to classic westerns. So we have Van Cleef, which is very on the nose. And by the way, folks, Lee Van Cleef was way cooler as a hero than as a villain. <laughs> and he played the hero way more times than he did play yeah. a villain. So Shanghai Noon, I hate you for that reason. Uh, number two, I... Um, there was just 
the, 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 just really like the, the bit at the end as well where they have the kind of um the um butch cassidy and the sundance kid homage where they come out guns blazing from the church like that's just like really dumb um and i just kind of wish that like it more fully utilized and committed to the western setting because i feel like the stuff with china and the imperial city and all the chinese cast to be fair is so authentically driven and sincere whereas all the western stuff it feels a little bit too tongue-in-cheek for me and i know it's a comedy i want it, i want it to be humorous i'm not saying get rid of that that fun-natured spirit um but like, I kind it, of I, needed the West to be a little bit more like just focus on making your own Western world. Rather I get it. Than yeah, being yeah, it doesn't go far enough either. I far enough either way. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. With Shanghai Nights, that's not an issue with it because it's a completely different genre, and I fucking love it. <laughs> I mean, should we should we move on to talk about Shanghai yeah, Nights? Yeah, we, we, we can segue over. You can. I feel like I'll let you do this. You can I just feel like this is the one we're more excited to talk about because this is the one. Oh hell yeah! The same experience. We... Which I'm excited to go into because I feel like again both of those before this we were like oh Shanghai Noon is the better yeah so when when I rewatched them both about two years ago I, I had on Letterbox Shanghai Noon rated at three and a half stars and Shanghai Nights rated at three stars and now I think I'm switching to Noon three stars Nights four stars I am going I'm going I'm going up with Nights I had a great time with Nights I don't know whether I was just sat like looking at my phone or some shit last time I was looking at watching the movie but. <laughs> I, I put it on this afternoon and I was just like having such a great time with it. I was laughing more at the jokes. I was kind of more into the it's story. So funny. I, I think I agree with you on the setting. I think the setting is way better. Um, I, I love them in that kind of Victorian London setting as opposed to the Western setting. Because um, I quite, I think I quite like the element of them both being a fish out of water um, and reacting to it in different ways. And the action is just so far above the action in Shanghai Noon. It's so much more clearly a Jackie Chan movie. There's longer fights. There's more inventive stuff. Jackie gets to use... Like, his big thing is that how often he uses his environment, and he gets to do that way more in this. The uh, the, the actual market sequence in Shanghai Nights is fucking brilliant. You've got um, that. You've got the sequence in the library and the kind of treasure room. He's oh, got the a last great crusade, fight against Donnie Yen. Uh, yeah, 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 the last crusade kind of bit with the rotating door. <laughs> and he gets to do a legit sword fight at one point. And the other thing I find about Shanghai Nights that I, I fucking love... Uh, I, By the way, Dan, I think this is going to be the longest episode we've ever done, so I hope I'm not keeping yeah. you from my <laughs> No, it's fine. Because we're going to be here for a while. I'm, I'm um, happy. So the one thing that I also really like about it is that the emotional stakes get risen up a notch. And that's not just only from from Chan's father being killed at the beginning. We're, re- we're introduced to his sister, who um, is easily one of the great highlights of the film. Um, I forget her name. It's... Lin. Uh, Chan Lin. Yeah, Lin. Looney Lin. Um, <laughs> and um, she's great. And But it's also the the further exploration of Sean and Roy's relationship. Um, the first 30 minutes of this film are fucking great, where we, re- we are reintroduced to Owen Wilson's character, and he's working in New York, and you think he's a great big, big shot, and he's making money off the Royal Bannon books, Royal Bannon um, the ma- r- written by Sage McAllister. Um, <laughs> that, that was, then... That's one of my favourite parts, sorry to interrupt you, but that, I love no, the bit at the beginning, because... 
it starts first with Sean and he's like sheriff of Carson City and then one yeah. of the like deputies I guess they are is reading Royal Bannon versus the Mummy and he reacts to it like I react to a Fast and Furious movie where he's like oh he killed all the mummies with a single bullet and then Chan's like well that's impossible he's like yeah but he ricocheted the bullet off all the walls and killed them all <laughs> and that's that's me like sat watching like the Fast X trailer and then going to all my friends and being like did you see that bit where Vin Diesel crashed the two helicopters into each other <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but yeah, it's just great because that introduction bit where the the myth of Roy slowly unravels, and it turns out that he's been a piece of shit and has lost all of their fortune they accrued from the first film. Aggressive um, zeppelins, and he convinces just to he deceives uh, Chan into sleeping with this <laughs> woman who turns out to be the one of the daughters of the mayor. And and Roy's got the other daughter, and lo and behold, the mayor shows up. So they have to book out of it, and they're there having that conversation. And Roy says to him, "It's one of the funniest lines in the movie." It's like, Jackie, do you? It's like, John, do you, do you think I want to be? Look at me, I'm a waiter, chick. <laughs> it's just the, his delivery is so good there. The, um, the... And Roy, being a a waiter, gigolo. Uh, it's, it's the perfect role for him. Yeah, it fits. It's so funny. It's a great kind of investment. Uh, not investment. It's it's kind of a great long-term trail for the character because I think... I, I would rather they've done that than him actually just be like a rich guy enjoying fame because he's well, here's too much of a fuck up. It to wouldn't do gel. That. It wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't gel with the first movie. They show yeah. that he's completely like even in the finale, it's pure stupid luck that he is able to to beat Marshall Van. Yeah, Cleef. I mean, we didn't even mention that whole sequence in the in the finale of Noon where he yeah. only has one bullet left and Van Cleef is like, well, so do I. And Van Cleef lies to him yes. and completely misses every shot against him and gets killed. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a great moment where the film, the, the, the first one never makes it that Roy got good or gained any skill. He, was, he just survived in pure luck. Yeah, yeah. And that, 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 that continues in Shanghai Nights. Um, but he does have talents in Shanghai Nights. They, 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 he, is a, he is great at deceiving people in, the, in that film. He is a great... But at the same time, he's got that sincere core to him. He's, he realises that he has been a fuck-up. Yeah. And he wants to change. And he accompanies Chan on this adventure to London to avenge his father's death. Um out of a sense of camaraderie mainly um like there is like a like there is a slight monetary potential but for the most part it's purely because he wants to help out um the shanghai kid and 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 kind of you know get get their mojo back and um it's just i was i was i was completely shocked by how much well not shocked but because i I already like the movie but i was genuinely (laughs) very surprised by how much i ended up really like yeah we we, we've had the similar experience i mean I guess for anyone who who hasn't seen seen the second one, the kind of plot of the second one is that Chan's father is killed by someone who steals the imperial seal of China, and is chased by Chan's sister to London, who then gets in contact with Chan to say, "I've chased him down to London." So Chan gets Roy to try and get the money to go to London, and then also chase down his father's killer. It's a pretty it's a pretty simple plot for a lot of it, it even when it gets into what the seal's there for. I also really really like that scene um where they're on the boat to london and um he he's got the puzzle box that his father sent him yeah. and he's trying to figure out and roy's like oh why don't you just smash it and there's that great bit of you know that wisdom where it's like well i'll be ready to open it 
when I'm ready, basically. And that pays off a really good emotional payoff at the very end of the film. Like, I, I found myself gen- genuinely affected by that. Like, the whole kind of, you know, the the acceptance there that was between Sean and his father. And it's just really well handled. Um, it's... The thing about Shanghai Nights, we've already talked about how, like, you know, it, it makes better use of Jackie Chan's talents. Um, and that is evident right from the off in that first hotel scene where he is uh, dealing with the policeman. Um, it's so funny because he gets in the revolving door and he's mm. there and they're all trying to, like, get him. And he's trying to cause as least of a kerfuffle as possible so it's just they're like still in their hats and like getting his coat back and like <laughs> that's what i mean this it uses so much more of that kind of thing of going right what objects would it be fun to watch jackie beat people up or escape from people with? <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's when he's it's when the guy's at his best it's like even some of like his like lesser movies like like the fourth police story which is i think is fine but i don't think it's amazing everyone knows about remembers that ladder fight because it, it, it's it's where he's at his strongest and he just gets some cool item that you can't fight people with and fight people with it so they go well yeah look we've got a revolving door that's going to be fun to watch jackie try and take down these these cops with or we've got this revolving bookcase or we've got the stairs on the library wall that he can run away from people with it and the first one just never quite gets there yeah, yeah. So I feel like, even though it's the same composer, it's Randy Edelman for both. Um, I feel like the music in Shanghai Nights is more better attuned to Chan's choreography as well. Like, it feels much more... They, they match the beats more this time, Yeah, I but I, I think that is just back to the fact that it, the movie yeah. has longer, better choreographed action sequences yeah. that aren't over before you've gotten into them. And there are fewer... There are, there are less intrusive needle drop moments in the sequel as well. Um, I think the needle drop moments in the first film are kind of bizarre, whereas in Shanghai Nights they have that great bit where it's the pillow fight. Like, I enjoy that bit of modern music needle dropping going on, whereas in the first one you've got, like, Back in the Saddle by Aerosmith. You've yeah, got, I'm, um, I'm always a weirdo with needle drops. Cowboy and stuff. Like, it's, that, that's very of the time. Yeah. Uh, Shanghai Nights is, uh, it does it does that better. Um, yeah, they make it to London, uh, and they immediately go searching for Lynn. Uh, who it turns out has been imprisoned in Scotland Yard. So they meet uh, an inspector, Inspector Ardy, he is called. Yeah, because you know how all cops who, introduce themselves by their first yeah, names. Inspector Ardy, who uh, is a big fan of deductive reasoning, so no prizes for guessing who he is meant to be. <laughs> um, he's a big fan of deductive reasoning. Um, and we get introduced to to Lynn, who is, is uh, Chun's sister. And you forgot um, one character. Little street. Oh, Charlie. 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 Played by played by a young Garen Taylor Johnson. No. Yeah. Did you not know that was him? Ah! <laughs> it comes up in the credits, and I was like, I forgot he was in it, and I went, Oh shit! Yeah, he's the kid in this. Once you see it again, you you you'll be like, Oh, definitely, that's him. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> Back no. when he was just Aaron Johnson. Before, before, obviously, before he got married. <laughs> I don't know why I had to clarify that. Oh my <laughs> god! Of all the facts to have blown Ewan's mind with, I, d- I don't believe this. I don't believe this. That's oh my god! Sorry, you yeah. genuinely our potential next James Bond just sat there as little little street boy Charlie. <laughs> I'm just Google. Damn! I just. 
I need to send you this image while we're recording so I can hear your reaction and keep it recorded. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to get up Aaron, and grab my phone. I've just Googled Aaron Johnson, Shanghai Nights, right? Like the sixth result um, <laughs> is him at the premiere. <laughs> and it's the most amazing uh, early 2000s kid fit ever. Oh, I can't wait for this. Please, please, folks, I promise this little delay will be worth it. I might... <laughs> I'm, I'm loading the image. It's being beamed over you, to your Twitter now. Uh, right. w- one second, friend. One second. There we go. Right. It is, it is this sent. Is fascinating podcasting. <laughs> what if I just went like... What if you sent it to me and I just went, oh, okay, and then we just stopped. Um, <laughs> please tell me you've seen it. <laughs> That's me on every family holiday I've ever we, been on. We all had that outfit combo. Outfit combo. You like, have the, to post the, this the, on the, the Wheel of Dad Movies Twitter account after this the episode. The obligatory like family meal yeah. on like a holiday or whatever. That is that is like, school that is like disco me going on holiday to Centre Parks. School Disco 2004 extraordinaire. Oh, Aaron Johnson leading the way. So oh funny. my god. I, I think we've hyped that up so much that people are going to see that picture. And be like it's just it's just a kid in a clothes. Just a kid in a, that's, in a big that's very like t-shirt. early two thousands fit. Yeah, but you don't that's understand, great. folks. We all had that outfit. We all we all had that. We all yeah. I wore that to every life. school disco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, oh, that's great. I know you said that once I see it, I wouldn't be able to unsee it. I'm still looking at this kid's face. I, you I've think gotten in the movie, no. I was I, like, I, yeah, that's him. No. That's incredible. Well, you're gonna have to go, go. Watch Shanghai Nights again tonight. Have to, I mean, that's a great, great thing to do. Um, but yeah, we're introduced to Charlie Chaplin, who is played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Thank you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who is who is basically the artful dodger? Uh, he's the artful dodger from Oliver Twist. Um, oh, basically, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it, bringing it back to our our friendship, our real life friendship roots as well with the Oliver play. Oh wow. Wow, I I forgot yeah. that. I don't even remember. I mean, we won't name any names. Maybe I'll say names. Like, I can't even remember who was like played the Artful Dodger in our school version of it. I can't remember now either. I, no, you know, we'll have to remember that. We, later. Were, we, we were me and Dan were both members of Fagin's Gang. Hell yeah, we were. That was the second Oliver I'd been in. It's so funny because I <laughs> you taking school, a drag of a cigarette, be like, hell, yeah, first yeah. time kid. <laughs> I remember my first year. I when I when I was in year eight in school, I or year nine, I think it might have been, I did my first school theatre production. And it was like we did like four different shows. So we did like West Side Story. I think it was West Side Story, Bugsy Malone, Rocky Horror, and Oliver. And I was just random street urchin number two or some shit like that. You were Charlie and Chaplin. I was Charlie Chaplin. yeah, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. I just like smeared a little mustache on myself like he does at the end of the movie. And uh <laughs> Oliver, so Oliver was played by one of my now best friends. <laughs> so I met my friend Matt, who's like one of my closest friends now in that production. Two years later, did Oliver again and then met you. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you to that musical because I'm, I'm making thank friends with you. Thank you, Oliver! Exclamation yeah. mark. I gotta be in it again. I'll probably like get married or something. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so he plays the Heartful Dodger, who is actually Charlie Chaplin. That is the other big reveal at the end of the movie, because we start throwing in celebrity cameos. And by celebrity yeah, so cameos, unnecessary. I mean Jack the Ripper, Charlie Chaplin, 
and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> Queen Victoria. <laughs> Queen Victoria. Um, oh, man alive. But yeah, they basically, they go hunting um, for the Imperial Seal, which has been stolen by the most impeccably early 2000s English villain ever, played by Aidan Gillen. Yeah. He plays a member of the House of Lords called Lord Nelson Rathbone. Such a great bad guy actor. Great bad guy actor, great bad guy face, great probably bad an, guy hair. Yeah, oh, yeah thank you. Probably a nice guy. Yeah. I, I from Sounds like a nice guy, works a lot. Um, <laughs> never heard anything too negative about him. Um, has one of the most punchable faces. Yeah. <laughs> He's really good. He he actually holds his own in this movie as an he does. action physical premise, presence as well. I always remember um, him in, in 12 Rounds, the John Cena movie. That's the first movie oh I saw Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the other interesting thing about Shanghai, that's the historical context here, is that Aiden, Aiden Gillen's character has stolen the Imperial Seal because he's secretly colluding with the boxers. The boxers were a real-life movement in China in the, the late 19th century. You may have heard of the Boxer Rebellion. Um, basically Chinese nationalists uh, and Donnie Yen plays uh, the leader of the boxers who is trying to restore his, his claim to the imperial throne uh, meanwhile and he is doing this he's making a deal with Gillen um, Gillen's character rather to wipe out the rest of the royal family because Lord Nelson Rathbone is 10th in line to the throne yeah. so, he's so the plan the giant is to minigun. massacre the rest of the, the royal family uh, so that he can become the the king of the United Kingdom. Crazy that that turn... never comes up in history in school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You never in hear return... about a minigun attack on the royal family. In in return, Donnie Yen gets to be uh, the the new emperor of China, um, and that is the ma- that's the main thrust of the conspiracy here. Um, we we come to that conclusion. Um, it, it's revealed in piecemeal parts. The main thrust of the investigation in the film is them trying to locate the seal. Yeah. Um, which is done brilliantly, by the way. And also, one thing I want to praise here, because the production design is a step up from Shanghai Noon. The Absolutely. costume design is also fantastic. The costuming here is really fun. Oh, I, I, I want love... Jackie's big coat that he has in this yeah, movie. Yeah, the coat that he has. I mean, the, the costuming is, is brilliant. Like, I feel like every every early 2000s villain or hero needed to have the obligatory big leather jacket. Um, but it's also like... Um, Roy O'Bannon's like a Victorian fit in this. It's yeah. fucking it's exceptional. He looks like he could walk into the uh the role that Carrie Elwes has in Bram Stoker's Dracula, <laughs> be the cowboy who stabs Dracula in the face. Did, I I really caught it more with the production design in this one, like especially the finale in Big Ben. Oh, it's it so looks cool. great. And I'm I saw I I've probably like said this on this on an episode of this before. I really like love movies from like the eighties and nineties, mainly the nineties, like two thousands, where the end fight is always just somewhere that people should not be having a fight. Uh, <laughs> and it's like James I, Bond, I, you're on the Golden Age. <laughs> exactly, get off there! Like it's always like like nowadays, it's kind of a bit more, a lot of times, a bit more of a generic location, which I'm fine with when the choreography and the action sequence is good enough. I can kind of get past that. Like I, I admittedly people might give me shit for this but i really enjoy the airport battle in captain america civil war i think that's a really fun sequence mm. but it does take place in a generic gray airport whereas it's like the 90s they'd have like a fight where like they'd go like oh yeah we can have sylvester Stallone fight john lithgow in a crashed sideways helicopter on the side of a mountain <laughs> and I'd, I'd love that kind of stuff and it looks great in this when they go into big ben at the end and you've got the big kind of inside of the clock face 
and the light coming yeah. through from the moon and the rickety the kind of duel. bridges and stairs. And, it, it looks fantastic. And not only does it look fantastic, there's actual emotional stakes here, which I feel are slightly undercut by the fact that in the finale, even though Roy does go flying out the window, you do see him survive and land on Big Ben. You have that yeah. whole thing. But A lot of pure luck again on Roy's side at the end of this one. For for Chan, he does think that Roy has died. And you have, you know, the score here is really good. There's an emotionally swelling moment. You've got Chan doing his, like, sword duels with Rathbone. Um, it's really good. And I think the thing that I love about Shanghai Nights is that, like, in the first one, you're introduced to, to Chan and, and Roy, and they're like, oh no, they're, they're pals, I can buy it. In Shanghai Nights, I'm like, oh no, these guys are BFFs. These guys are, like, family. And which they do become, obviously, because cause Roy falls in love with Lin and, and vice versa. So they like, are a family now. They're like those friends that you that don't see each other that often, but whenever they do, it's like they've never yes. been apart. Yes, yes, yeah. And they, they nail it. that in this, where it's like, they they don't, they've, they've obviously not seen each other in some time, and then the first time Chan sees him, he kind of points his finger at his back and says, the reach for the skyline. And, and Roy's oh. just delighted to see him. Yeah, no. Oh my God, man. I'm, you're bringing the, the Shanghai Nights. <laughs> like even, even when he's caught right him now. out as like being a waiter at this place and like lying and he knows he can get caught out by Chan there. He's just so happy to, to see him immediately. Yeah. And I also like that, you know, it's not just Roy who has to undergo a lot of growth in this film. Like Sean has to as well. He has to basically learn to trust his sister and not walk and his into bad foot. Yeah, and his friend as well. And like you have that whole bit where you know the criticism could be leveled that Shanghai Nights repeats Shanghai Noon's mid act um eavesdropping, you know, deceitful twist or whatever. Um where, you know, in the first movie it's it's Roy's talking to one of his um sex worker sex worker lady friends who's being racist to Chan and he's yeah. like, Oh, I don't rap him or whatever. And then in this one, it's a case of Chan trying to convince Lin that Roy's a screw-up and that she shouldn't waste his life with him. But it has to bear in mind that throughout that movie, like Roy's doing everything he can to be a hero. There's one reason for me that scene doesn't fully work. And it's it's really, like, I'm I'm being a bit of a... Um, I, yeah, so there's Liam O'Donnell, who's who's one of the hosts of Action for Everyone, who, who we both follow on Twitter... Um, he always refers to people as script watchers in the sense that they're looking a bit too far into the script and, and getting a bit too nitpicky on things rather than <laughs> just enjoying the ride of watching a movie. And I agree with him that that is a thing that we see a lot too, a lot that we see too much nowadays in kind of people's reactions to movies. So I was being a bit of a script watcher at this point, I'll, I'll admit. Um, why is Chan speaking English to his sister? <laughs> well, you know. Just... <laughs> Oh, it's a long way for me to get to that point. But... Good, good practice, mate. Good. Hey, that was practice. the only bit where I was going, it's just those two in the room. That like The movie is just specifically having them speak English so Roy can hear it. But yeah, I but appreciate also... that's me being very nitpicky. You are. I can't believe you're criticising this flawless movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, immediately after that, we have the great pillow fight se- uh, sequence where the random guy shows up halfway through as they're all pillow fighting. That's a really funny other. joke. That's a really funny joke. That that scene is also like on a bit of a weird deeper level. It's about them rekindling their kind of boyish friendship that they've got with each other. Yeah. I think it's more about it's almost more about that than it is like, hey, look at all these women they could be having sex with. <laughs> it it works, it works. 
there's the, the, that's one of the instances where i like watched it today and i was like the humor hit so much better where that guy appears during the pillow fight <laughs> there's so a really funny. fantastic joke that i don't think i'd noticed last time i watched it which is later on in the movie i'm skipping ahead a bit but later on in the movie when roy is hung upside down over the water and jackie's fighting that guy and yeah, yeah the, and he's getting like dunked. a wheel that that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. lowers and rises yeah, uh, yeah. And, and he just keeps dunking him in the water and doesn't realize because <laughs> he's just kicking the bar at that guy and it made me yeah. laugh so much when i saw it today yeah oh it's it's so funny and um they get up to a lot of really fun hijinks in this like there's a bit as well where they infiltrate the um lord rathbone's party uh after his return from china and they go dressed as they have to fake they assume yeah. false names so chom pretends to be a uh a maharaja from india the maharaja of the nevada pro- of nevada uh and and uh, <laughs> roy's like gonna come up with his own little military title and he just sees uh two things on the wall he sees like there's like a i forget what the sherlock thing but the holmes thing is a clock he sees yeah, a clock yeah, on the yeah, wall yeah. that says holmes and then something else that he sees that's a sherlock so he just goes sherlock holmes um it's so they, they break in that way and like it's so there's a lot of um there's a lot of very typical kind of like american focused anti-brit humor in this movie which i always appreciate i love a good big book of british smiles joke <laughs> um but what i will not countenance is uh is making fun of haggis there's a I bit was gonna here ask where you they take this yeah when they take a bite out of um haggis and Owen wilson's like Wah! and i'm like haggis is beautiful well this How is a, you, you are <laughs> the the kind of you you are are you i guess you're half half scottish are you yeah 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 um yeah, half scottish so i was like i don't know what you and thinks of haggis i've had haggis in scotland and haggis is is nice haggis and, is class yeah it's it's good food and it's it's there's a there's a clip i've seen a couple of times from one of anthony bourdain's shows where he's in like a chippy in england and he says that haggis is the most unfairly reviled food in the world because yeah. it's like it, it, its ingredients are no weirder than like a yeah. hot dog or a chicken nugget yeah. and he's absolutely right and i was and like it's, it's, oh, it's you way better than both this. those things it's it, it's a gorgeously peppery like um like meat dish like it's it's super nice um great for breakfast if you're ever on the road and you're going that's where i Scotland, had it was it at t-bay no it was i was I, no. I, I admittedly maybe it was actually I, it was in a cafe in edinburgh years ago i was on about scottish i guess it was called i wasn't about the uh the t-bay services uh, they do they do good right. there if you're ever on the road up to uh glasgow along the m6 um i definitely recommend dropping off there because they do good grub um and i've been there a few times obviously on many trips going up to scotland as a kid um to meet our relatives but yeah no it's funny obviously like it, it makes sense because roy's juvenile and him being told that it's it's you know it's made from sheep's blood it's just gonna make him go blur but i'm like man more haggis for me friends more haggis for me that's all i'm saying that's always the joke Give me, it's like pass the leaps and tatties yeah. as well while you're at it it's like you're at, you they do always those jokes movies where it's like oh you're actually eating brains and it's like yeah well yeah but it's just still a part of the animal and it's like it was you thought it was delicious before yeah. So you should still think it's delicious now. I'm sorry, I'm I'm shooting on Roy O'Bannon here. I shouldn't be doing that. I love Roy. Roy's, hey, he shot on Scotland. You get to shoot on him. Roy's that's a pal. How, that sounds weird. <laughs> friend, it to me. My, my friend Roy, I can't be shooting on him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, they have that great sequence where they infiltrate the party. You also have the bit where it is basically a remix of the scene in the Last Crusade where Indy is. Uh, they're stuck he's stuck he's yeah yeah i'm thinking the exact same scene it's been a while since i've seen last crusade you referenced the best indiana jones movie i'm fine with you 
Oh, it is the best Indiana Jones. It is. That is my Indiana Jones take. That is the... um, Last Crusade is probably the only one of the Indiana Jones movies I'll cover for the podcast because it is the most immaculate dad yeah, movie. It's, it it's a, brilliant. It's one of my probably top ten movies of all time. I I, yeah. I adore that movie. Junior? Junior. <laughs> Do you know um, how, how any time... I, so I play D&D a lot with friends and any time we get into some sort of puzzle that involves like a letter or some sort of tile on the floor, the amount of times I say something on the lines of, Jehovah starts with an I. <laughs> comes up every single time. I love oh, that movie so much. Beautiful film. Uh, probably going to do it this year, given we're going to get Dial of Destiny. So, oh shit, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be one to do in the summer, I guess. Um, but yeah, like, I, I'm trying to remember the, the next best set piece. Oh, the bit where they're, they escape from Rathbone's place in the car uh, and then wind up in Stonehenge. Uh, and I, I, I must assume I must assume that his estate mustn't be in London like it has to be somewhere else they had to travel to to get there because uh, otherwise how would they get to Stonehenge yeah I guess they also <laughs> just think that no like especially viewers outside of the UK aren't really going to think about it yeah yeah and they just go yeah okay they're at Stonehenge that's fine let's carry on with the movie no so the gala the gala is at Buckingham Palace so they just they drive for two minutes and then they're in Stonehenge yeah 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 it's eight- you, you kind of when you know locations <laughs> when it's locations you know you kind of see that it's, it's so weird to you yeah no one's gonna notice unless you live here so i guess it's kind of a lot of people outside of the uk aren't necessarily gonna question the immediate jump to stonehenge no but this is this is this leads quite nicely into my next point about why i find shanghai Nights so endearing um is that it feels like a modern two swords ex- two, two swords oh, no, literally at one point Sounds like that Madam Lady, that that Lady Madam's uh, exhibit place, and um, because it is literally <laughs> a wax, wax museum of stuff, and they do they do go there, yeah. um, and it's fitting because literally it's like a tour of it's an obligatory tour of Britain, like they're all sightseeing. Like you even have the bit where Roy's taunting the bee feeders, um, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, like it, it's it's typical kind of they're fitting in all the american tourism jokes like him him being a bad a bad tourist or whatever into this. i mean and it's it's fun <laughs> it adds to your point of kind of wishing that the first movie did the western stuff better because it, 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 it as on the nose as it is in shanghai nights i do think it works a lot better when it just weirdly kind of functions as like so f- partly the movie is just england greatest hits yeah and it's like, it, and like it, it, it's it it's leans so into it a little further and it works better so is it before or after the wax museum that they go to Whitechapel? It's after, isn't after, it? I feel. I oh no, is it before? I should know this. I watched movie like three hours but, ago. But yeah, but... They, they go they go to Whitechapel. It's late late 19th century. So if you know your history, you're already like, oh, Whitechapel in the 19th century. They've already mentioned Jack the Ripper. Is he going to be Jack the Ripper? Yeah, yeah. And lo and behold, Lynn gets pissed off with both of them. Oh, this is after. The, yeah, this is after the whole boot, the whole pillow fight sequence. She gets pissed off with both of them, and then she's she's there walking, and then the music goes all horror-y all of a sudden. Just adds nothing then, to the movie. And and then and then Jack the Ripper shows up and goes, "Nice evening for a walk." And then like he like pulls out his sword, and then and then Lynn just kicks him into the tent. This this is the only one out of them all for me that really does not work. Oh no, mate! I was cackling. <laughs> it's it was funny. Beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but they literally could have just had like. They they could have just paused, like the characters could have free trade and the director might as well just walked down and gone, fucking, it's Jack the Ripper. Look, look at this. And then just walked off. Mate, to be fair, that's nothing very, to the movie. It's, no, I love it. I think without Jack the Ripper, this movie falls apart. 
that's i'm sounding like i'm sounding like i hate it i still do think it's funny but it's just such just a like, random like, unnecessary there a certain point there was a certain point where they took the wire erp joke from the first film and was like what if we just fully committed to this let's make it so that a supporting character in here who we very heavily imply is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but we won't call him Sir Arthur Conan Doyle until the, the, the very end where he does receive his knighthood. Yeah. Um, we'll call him Artie. And he loves Artie. deductive reasoning. And then we'll make Because that's Roy how co- police introduce and then, themselves. And then, and then Roy will become... Roy will make up the Sherlock Holmes name. And then Sean and and Jackie and uh, and Roy will show up as, as Holmes and Watson, uh, thereby inspiring <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. And then we'll have Jack the Ripper... I don't know if I've already mentioned that or not. Imagine and if after you that, were... the orphan that they've been with the entire time, they're going to go back to Hollywood and that orphan's <laughs> going to be Charlie Chaplin. I love... I love how stupid it is. But yeah, like, we get all that and uh, then we basically go to the final sequence where they get captured by um, by Donnie Yen and the boys. Um, and we have that great sequence where, where Owen Wilson is getting dunked. It's a really fun fight scene. I love yeah, that so much. it's great. It's great. Um, it's very, very funny. It's very uh, Jackie and then, as well. And we get to the finale where it's the assassination attempt. And we have the only time Jackie Chan and Donnie Yen have fought each other. I think there's on one the other. Is, what I, is I, one I, Yeah, one it's, it's like a very small fight. I can't remember what it's in a movie I haven't seen. But when I watched Shanghai Nights, I was like, is this the only time? And I Googled it and there was one movie, a Hong Kong movie. It was like, they have a brief fight. I believe, I apologize if I'm wrong. But this is kind of the main instance of two just absolute goats having a fight with each other it's a fucking great fight oh oh they're they're, they're actually done hang on I'm, I'm i'm finding it now to see which one so yeah they fought each other in shanghai nights twins effect two yeah okay that's the other okay, one twins i haven't seen either of those movies the twins effect movies yeah um, so there we go well this so is like I stand corrected. as soon as as soon as donnie starts like going going for jackie and like going for hits on him you just go oh it's great the, the action it's is so, so much immediately like upper level from the rest of even this movie really really great uh blooper as well when uh they oh start my God, that when, uh, when David doing Duncan it. Has, has forgotten to yell cut <laughs> and yeah. then Jackie stops and he's like doing the thing you, you can't just keep again. looking at us you have to tell me to stop and he's he's like his arms clearly hurt how much Donnie has just gone yeah. at him it's so fantastic. I believe oh, it was really I love funny. That. The fight's great, and the way they're ducking under the minigun because the minigun's spinning round that he's tried to kill the royal family with. Um, it's that. I think that that might be the one fight in the movie for me that doesn't go again. Doesn't go on long enough. I wish I'd seen yes. more of it because it's as I've been on this kind of Donnie Yen kick recently. So I've I've kind of been watching like it kind of started because I've watched and loved him in John Wick Four, um, which I've now seen three times. Um, and <laughs> I, I watched a bunch of his movies and he's got so many different fighting styles and he's so great and every Donnie Yen movie ends with just the best fight you've ever seen and the, yeah. I wish this had with him being with it being him fighting Jackie I wish it was a longer fight but what you get is so much fun I totally agree um, and he, of course he gets a very dramatic send off as well from Lin who takes him out with a firework um, he gets uh, he gets the the John Travolta and Broken Arrow treatment in this. He does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Killed by a firework. Bits, bits of, uh, bits of Donnie Yen are floating around in the Thames somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And that I think the reason why they expedite that fight scene is because Aiden Gillen's character is meant to be the main main adversary. Which, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mistakes were made. Even though I find him entertaining as a villain in this, you know, you, in retrospect, any filmmaker would not sideline 
Donnie Yen um, to, I, for a fight with Jackie Chan for that. Yeah, I'm kind of okay with it though because I actually really enjoy the little sword fight. Oh, I enjoyed the fight scene absolutely, but I think if you were to switch the the time dedicated to each one, um, you would maybe position. Uh, okay, yeah, I yeah, agree. That's what that's what I mean. But the final fight yeah. scene is great fun. Um, Roy, <laughs> his just monologue on it's like you're on a minute hand on a big clock. Oh, like that. Like I love. in any other movie I'd find it really annoying but I love it when Owen Wilson characters just self-narrate and have their own little inner monologue I love listening to him talk there's a bit in Shanghai Noon where he's psyching himself up with that duel with uh, Van Cleef and he's like um, come on Roy you can do this oh no he's gonna kill you (laughs) like it's fun but that's where this movie again just has the like pure luck thing where like Roy gets kicked so hard out that window and then somehow lands on the manages to Does land he gets on, fucking like, on rinsed I, I think there's so much in movies like this i would die so <laughs> quickly like i don't die at the market your, scene your boy does not have grip in his hands he could i could not do i don't know why i'm speaking in third person i um, i could not even do the monkey bars as a child i'd like there's no way i would be able to hold on to that like when they jump from the fl- to like grab the flag at the end i would have just had the exact experience that aiden gillen's character has of just dying <laughs> It does have a great full death in this, but I love I love the fight scene that they have. Like the it, it's a genuinely dramatically affecting moment in the movie. Like whereas in Shanghai Noon, I feel like the emotional impedus full trails away for the closer we get to the end. In Shanghai Nights, they maintain it at a consistent level. Yeah, and the balance is 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 more finely attuned. It's kind of a great finale because you almost don't even know if Chon's kind of planning on going down with him. Oh yeah, he Briefly. just rather than actually like to, he just literally cuts everything down. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, and then again, kind of up more luck as Roy manages to grab his arm as he kind of yeah. falls. Oh, no, but it looks great. I love that shot. Oh, it's a great shot, a great moment. And then they land in the carriage of Queen Vic herself, and then a knighted, and everyone lives happily ever after to go back to Hollywood to make mm. movies, kung fu movies. Can you? Um, can you knight people? Can the not yet. yes? Can the queen knight people out of, from other countries? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I didn't yes. know that. Yeah, I didn't know if that was just movie yeah. logic again. No, I'm fairly certain they can. I don't, I don't know. Genu- of, genuine, a genuine of, question. Of, you know what, Dan? For you, I'm going to Google this right now. Um, do you? Thirty percent of this episode has just been you googling things. To be knighted, citizens from the fifteen Commonwealth realms. Um, so, so um, Roy would not have been lucky. Uh, he would not have right. been. So it's like a. It's like an honor. It's like when you get like a fake degree from a university. Yeah, yeah. Like you wouldn't get um, a job for that. I say you again. Famous people only get that. It's not like they're going to just give it to me one day. <laughs> I'm just looking this up now. You, you, this is really interesting. Oh wait, no, there is a. Uh... Oh no, there are honorary knighthoods. Okay, yeah. So there so are a few United States. Uh, it's not kind of. It's not kind of the yeah. president can only be born in America rules. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, they gave an honorary knighthood to Bob Iger? What the hell? <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, well, I found my next Wikipedia deep dive. Um, honorary knights. John Williams, honorary knighthood. Oh, deserved. Yeah, that's yeah, great. No one's gonna well, com- no one's going to complain about that one. There we go. And now, to end the podcast, Dan, um, we haven't really talked enough about the bloopers, which is a shame because I think they're great, but I'm, I'm conscious of time now. Um, Shanghai Dawn... Where the fuck is it? I, I was just thinking this because it got announced. I was it got announced. 
you know, it was really depressing about that. I was, as I was watching this, I was like, oh yeah, they, they announced Shanghai Dawn like two years ago, didn't they? And I looked it up. It's like they announced it in 2016. They announced it in 2016 or 2015, something like that, and it never, nothing seems to have come from it. And But then they announced like last year, Jackie said in an interview like, oh yeah, we're working on Rush Hour 4. And everyone was like, oh shit, Rush Hour 4 is happening. And I was like, where was this enthusiasm for Shanghai Dawn? Because like, I didn't see I, it. It's it's deeply upsetting to me because I feel like out of all the ones you would revisit, and I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna begrudge the, the the Rush Hour fans from getting their fourth film. You know, if that's gonna make you happy, I'll, I'm gonna see it. But I would love to see fucking Roy yeah. and 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 Chan back in Hollywood with their because what it'd be twenty years after. So it, th- this one's set yeah. in 1880 something. So this would be set like in the late like, like 1907 or something. Yeah. yeah, 1908 or whatever. Um, I would love to see how they got along with making their, the their Red Dead Redemption era stuff. Yeah, yeah like, I would. I would fun. love like, that. And that would it would it would be great because obviously it's a little bit too early for it, but it would pray it would play back into Jackie uh, Chan's yeah. kind of influences and like Buster Keaton and silent movie comedy and stuff like that. I, like, that would be a much better return for him to do. I will take solace in the fact that Jackie has said he's working on a sequel to New Police Story. I'll take that. Mm. Not yeah. and a sequel to New Police Story, not Police Story 2013, yeah. which I'm going to yeah. say this now, sucks. I've not seen it. I'm still waiting. I'm still getting Police Story Story Three, which I need to do. You absolutely do. New Police Story is, I think, very good. I've been eyeing up the uh, Eureka Blu-ray for a while. Um, So we're gonna get that at least, us fan. But yeah, you're right. Where's Shanghai Dawn? Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, that that was Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. Um, Thank you, Dan, for joining me. This has been a really fun discussion. I fucking love these movies, even though I was a bit neggy on Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights. We're 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 in agreement is the better of the two. Yeah, both good movies though. Yeah. So where both we sounded negative, we enjoy them both. Yeah, totally. And um, when you love something, it's just the, the the negatives just creep in just sometimes because you want a little, just a little thing. But yeah, um, Dan, where can they find you on Twitter? Um, as usual, mainly uh, on Twitter, Dan Greamer ninety two G R I M A. Mainly just tweeting about the Donnie Yen movies I'm watching at the minute. But I very much plan to go back to some westerns after this. Lovely, lovely stuff. You can follow you on Letterboxd as well, can't they? Yes, that's just Dan Grima. Lovely, cool. Uh, remember, you can follow me on Twitter at You and Ruins Things. You can follow the podcast at We Love Dad Movies. And before we go as well, I want to give a quick shout out to our patrons. Thank you, Christopher Darby, George Jackson, Thomas Mulgrew, Shaka, and Josh Brown. Remember, if you want to become a patron, you can do so. Uh, I have the link on the Wheel of Dad Movies Twitter, but it's also just type in Patreon, Wheel of Dad Movies, you can find us there. Um, we're getting ready um, for some fun things coming up in the month of May. Um, as I teased earlier on, we're going to be doing, uh, for the remainder of April, LA Confidential is definitely going to be on there. I need to finish reading the book. I'm on the last 20 pages. Holy shit. Great book. <laughs> Great book. I love those. And then for May... We're getting ready for some John Woo stuff because I've got something very fun planned for my birthday involving Hard Target. And we're going to start with Hard Target. I'm going to do four American John Woo movies uh, in May. So starting with Hard Target first, we're going to do Hard Target, Broken Arrow, uh, Face Off. Yes. And and a very underrated one from his oeuvre, and that is Wind Talkers, which is a World War II movie starring Nicolas Cage, which does not get the credit 
it deserves which i'm looking forward to doing that but yeah next week um la confidential and then after that it's gonna be woo season we're gonna woo get season. some woo wednesdays going woo wednesday. i'm excited <laughs> to hear, you're a big broken arrow guy i'm excited to hear you talk about broken arrow yeah i mean where i think for the face-off one it's gonna it's gonna have to be you me and zan because i know yeah. we both love that one I um, yeah, we've both very much expressed our love for Face Off. Sign uh, but yeah, um, this has been the Wheel of Damn Movies podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. This is now officially the longest episode ever. Oh, uh, no. I'm glad that I'm glad that it was Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon because I love those movies and they are near and dear to my my little old heart. And it was fun. Dan, I have to say, it was very enjoyable listening to your Jackie Chan origins. Um, <laughs> and I hope vice versa. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Always. Right. Well, we will see you all next time, folks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.